Welcome to Gimme Some Truth. I'm Kevin Castro, your podcast producer, and your hosts are Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, and Jonathan Jordan of Walkner Condon Financial Advisors in Madison, Wisconsin. This podcast series is dedicated to illuminating some of the darkness around conflicts of interest and motivations in the financial planning industry, as well as current events and investment concepts. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. Today we're going to learn a little bit more about Nate Condon. So today we have Mitch and we have Kevin and myself, Clint Walkner, in the room. And uh, today it's really designed to get to know a little bit more about his uh, career path, his backstory, everything about Nate Condon today. So, Yeah, we'll do one for Clint as well. And um, uh, likely Mitch and John as well, just to give people a better understanding of kind of how we got to where we're at now and our roles in the firm. Um, just more of a uh, get to know us. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not going to do the typical interview question, which I think is the worst inter- interview question in the world, which is, tell me a little something about yourself, Nate. Uh, so Right, because what does that even mean? Tell, t- uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Okay, like 10 seconds or five minutes or... So I was born... Right. In 1977, yeah, yeah. No, we're not going to do that today. So, Nate, after you were born, uh, you grew up, and then uh, after that, you went to high school. And where did you go to high school? I went to Janesville Craig High School, uh, obviously in Janesville, Wisconsin. And then uh, where did you go to school? I went to college at UW-Whitewater. Uh, the idea was to potentially go to Madison or potentially to follow my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, uh, to Oshkosh, but... Um, I kind of pulled a late switch on her and uh, decided to go to Whitewater after she had applied and got accepted to Oshkosh. Sticking it. Yeah, kind of. I kind of felt bad about that one, um, but it was the right decision. It was a better business school, and so it made more sense. So that's how I got uh, got to Whitewater. And uh, I understand that you, while you were at school, you also worked in a kind of non-traditional sort of role. See, I worked at a shoe store, but you know, you, you did a little bit something better than that. Now you're already previewing your bio. That's stop, right. Stop... <laughs> Leaking your information. It's a teaser. Wow, it was a plug. Did you catch that plug? It was a very subtle plug for his own episode. Tune in next week for Clint Walkner's biography. (laughs) You can learn all about the shoe store. (laughs) Don't gloss over that. We will cover the shoe store next week. Exactly. Everything I learned about sales, I learned selling shoes. Back to Nate. This is Nate's episode, not yours. He's taking over. So yes, my non-traditional job in college. So where this stems from was... um, my father owned a business in Janesville, a real estate and uh, construction land development company. And so I wanted a business job in college, but how do you get a business job in college when you're 18? So I asked him uh, what the process was to get your real estate license and potentially start selling real estate. So after uh, a little bit of um, research, I figured it out it's only 40 hours of classroom. You take a test and lo and behold, you're a realtor. Uh, you don't know a lot, but you're a realtor. And so that's uh, that's how I started to become a realtor at age 18. And so when you were in class and everything, I mean, so, you know, it's 1995. 
Am I right on that? Uh, yeah. It okay. would have, yeah, 1995. Yeah, the year fall. I was born, if that makes you Wow. Kevin was born in 95? I was. Kevin, can you step out of the room here for <laughs> just the remainder of the podcast? <laughs> so, so 1995. Now, it was not ubiquitous that everybody had a cell phone, by the way, in 1995. So right. did you carry a cell phone in class? I had a cell phone and a pager. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. So those are interesting conversations I and had. And he wasn't a doctor, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> no, I was not a doctor or a drug dealer either. But <laughs> but it was interesting conversations I had to have with my professors to let them know that, hey, if my you know backpack starts to go off, I'm going to walk out of the out of the class. And here's kind of the reason why. So it was interesting in the beginning. And how do people trust you when you're like 18 and you're you know selling real estate? Yeah. So it was it was an interesting. Um, kind of social experiment, if nothing else, because um, I obviously had those same uh, kind of thoughts and, and fears as well. Um, but I just thought, I'm going to jump in and do this. And it didn't really matter if it ended up being like a uh, crash and burn because I just go get a different job. It wasn't that big of a deal. I didn't have that much invested in in the 40 hours of classroom or the, or the test. But um, knowledge goes a long ways. And so when you learn about the industry and you learn about kind of how to talk to people, um, the assumption that you are qualified uh, is granted. And in some cases, it's almost granted easier than it should be granted, which was also a learning experience too. Like if you look the part and dress the part and speak the part, people just assume that you have the knowledge to be able to facilitate a pretty complicated business transaction. Well, I mean, to be fair to you though, I mean, you saw a lot of it when you were growing up, your dad at the construction company, your dad, was your dad a realtor at that time as well? Yeah, so he he bought and owned Wauwatosa Realty in Janesville for a number of years and then sold that um, when he established the construction company and then had to stay out of real estate for a little while, um, being that he sold the business, um, just so that he couldn't just, you know, open another business next door and, and, uh, and compete. So he had to stay out for a little while, and then, and then once that was over, then he opened the real estate part of it. And then after you uh, graduated college, um, what did you do after that? Yeah, so uh, while I was selling real estate in college, I did make a deal with my dad that I would not drop out of college um, to pursue to pursue real estate full time. Not that he didn't think it was a good profession, but he knew that if I ended up closing some some deals, that I would I would make what was a lot of money for a college student, and so that kind of temptation of like, wow, well, I could make even more money if I did this full time. He knew that that would be there, and so he made sure that, that I agreed that I would for sure get my, my four-year education before I decided on a, on a, a career path. And you graduated in uh, what disciplines? In, I double majored in finance and in management. So my degree um, was going to be management all the way along, and then um, I realized that because of the electives that I took that I was able to pick up a finance major uh, by just adding a few more classes. But I kind of took the full gauntlet at Whitewater because I wanted to get done in four years. So I took winterums, I took summer classes, and then I loaded up as much as I could in the um, spring and fall semester. So as a matter of fact, I had to miss a family trip to Cancun my senior year because they wouldn't let me take 21 credits my last semester. They would only let you take 18. That was the max you could take. And so I had to miss the summer or the the, uh, uh, winter trip to Cancun with my family to take a winterum. The class was World of the Ideas that I had to take. That doesn't still bother me, in case you're wondering. Um, and then I took 18 credits my last semester, and that's how I got done in four years. So you were working. 
you were going to school full time, obviously a, a strong course load. What did you do in any of those free moments that you might have had during that time in your life? Yeah, so it was an interesting schedule that I had because I would do open houses on the weekends. So that's how I kind of got my, my clients is I would do open houses. So it was a pretty consistent pattern where I would leave campus on Friday, drive up to Oshkosh, spend the weekend with my girlfriend, now wife, in Oshkosh, and then drive back Sunday morning in time to be able to do my um, one, no, uh, noon to two open house, and then I would do another one from 2.30 to 4.30. And then that's how I get my clients for the next week to be able to prospect, and, and that's how I made it work. So did you go right after graduation into more of the finance field? Did you stay in real estate for a few years after you graduated, or what was your kind of path? Yeah, no, I was done with real estate. Um, so, just so wait, why? Why was I done with real yeah, estate? Yeah, it was. It just kind of demands your life. I mean, I, I, we we sat here with Charlie a couple weeks ago. Charlie Wills with the podcast, and um, I think he's done a pretty good job of kind of taking his life back by way of you know kind of kind of cuts off when you know he takes phone calls and things like that. But even then. It still just dominates your life because you have to work when everybody else is not working, essentially, right? And so that's where it becomes to a point where it owns you. And I saw it with my dad. I mean, you, you just have to work a ton of hours, and it gets to the point where you don't have a life anymore. Um, so then I uh, took a job with Wells Fargo straight out of college. So I was interviewing with them even as I was selling real estate, knowing that I wasn't going to do that full time. So how many years did you spend at Wells Fargo? Uh, two and a half, almost three. And so, um, what what years were those? Ninety nine to two thousand two. Uh, so we, my wife and I, moved to. So I got married the um summer or the uh, September after both of us graduated from high or uh, college, and then we moved to Eau Claire. We spent some time up there, and then we moved to Madison, and then have been here ever since. So when you uh when you were at Wells Fargo and everything, I mean, how was the real estate market at that time? Was it I think it was pretty good at that time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was hopping at that time. I mean, I, I could have stayed into real estate at that time because it wasn't like the market had gone through a crash or anything like that. I mean, it was, it was pretty good. Um, so I could have stayed in real estate. Um, but again, it was it was more of, I just wanted something that had more consistency to it than what the real estate market had. And what was your experience over at Wells Fargo? I mean, uh, you know, obviously we've seen more recently, They've had some some issues. So, I mean, and this is way back in the day, but what did you think about Wells Fargo? Yeah, it was interesting because I worked for a small lending division of Wells Fargo. And what was nice about it from a knowledge standpoint is that it was a pretty organic part of Wells Fargo. For example, like when we would make a loan, we would make the loan decision right in our office. So you had to read the credit report yourself. You had to understand... Um, you know, debt to income ratios, you had to kind of look at it. And then, I mean, we were doing small loans, they were more consumer type loans. Um, and then w- either you on your own or you in conjunction with your branch manager would then make the decision on the loan. And then you would do all the paperwork and you'd sign all the paperwork. So it was very kind of organic from start to finish. And then you could see when, when loans went bad, you can see when people stopped making payments. And so you kind of got to see it the whole way through. So it was a really interesting way of learning how to do lending. Uh, we did all the way up to real estate loans too. So what you learned about the industry was was much more than I would have learned in any other lending position. Yeah, that that almost has a more community bank feel than, than right. what you think about Wells Fargo right now. Exactly. At that, it, that again, that division of Wells Fargo was um, it wasn't like we were uh, free to just do whatever we wanted, but at the same time, um, it was its own standalone division of Wells Fargo. Um, and so that's that. They kind of let us. The corporate offices kind of let that division do what it did. 
And when you got finished with Wells Fargo, you went to UW Credit Union then in the mortgage department, right? Is that your next stop? I went to UW Credit Union as a uh, what they called the senior financial specialist. Okay. So then I did that because I needed to learn. I didn't I didn't know the banking side of um, the industry. I just knew the lending side, and so even to the extent of you know how do you open a checking account and overdraft protection and kind of all. I didn't know any of that, so it was good to step into that role. And then I was in that role for maybe nine or 10 months. Um, and then I, I uh, got into the mortgage loan officer position. Nate, I hear you like to golf. I do like to golf to an obsessive level. <laughs> and you golf at Nacoma in the summers, I hear? I do, yeah. Um, it's fun to kind of go around different courses, but I would say that uh, Clint and I play the majority of our, of our rounds at Nacoma when we play. Um, so yeah, I've golfed since I was, I don't know, like eight, eight, nine years old, probably. Um, I still remember the, we had an open lot next to our house when I was growing up in Janesville. And then across the street from that open lot was a big park. So I would go into the open lot with a bunch of just shag golf balls. And then I would hit them into the park. Um, and once in a while it got dicey with a car driving by, but for the most part, I was able to not injure anybody. No property damage was. I hit a house. I hit, um, I hit three houses. <laughs> yeah, I hit three houses. But I don't think I ever broke a window. No window. Yeah, I was say. As I long as that. you hit the siding, that's... We, we broke a couple windows in our own house when we would play um, uh, home run derby in our driveway with tennis balls and, and aluminum bats. Yeah, against I, that the, happened to me, too. Our right. neighbor behind our house, yeah, we would... Uh, they didn't right. like us very much. Every once in a while, you'd square one up, and then, yeah, you'd break a window. Yeah. yeah. You know, what are you going to do? It happens. All right. Have you learned anything from the game of golf that you can apply in your current role? Yeah. Yeah, I've learned a lot. Um, you know, you say like golf is a game of patience, and when you start to play it well, you realize that it, it, it is actually 18 single holes, not one 18-hole round, which, again, sounds kind of, like, obvious. But when you slow the game down and you understand that it's 18 individual holes, the patience piece of it is where you, you really start to connect the dots so that you don't you, you, you learn that you can blow up your round in the first four or five holes, but you can't shoot a fantastic round in the first four or five holes. So if you think about it as one cumulative big round, you can easily get yourself checked out after the fifth hole. Whereas if you look at it as 18 individual holes, you could have a string of fat, five bad holes in a row and then play the next 13 really well and still post a good score overall. So the idea of kind of being able to break things up into smaller periods of time and understand that, you know, the market drops, to connect the analogy, the market dropped 1,000 points in one day, that doesn't mean that it's going to be a bad year or even a bad month or even a bad week for that matter. It's just that one day. So if you have one day, you can recover within that week even. One week, you can still recover within that month. So if you kind of look at it in smaller chunks of time, you kind of, it helps to put it into context better, at least for me. And I think that's how you kind of approach your days as well, you know, in the office, because, um, you know, I, I think that uh, it's well known around the office that you've, you've got a, uh, a shorter attention span, I would say. And <laughs> that's so friendly. That is very <laughs> friendly. I appreciate that. Kevin, how would you describe my attention span? <laughs> uh, no comment. <laughs> Some have said gnat like, but you know, right. it's uh, yeah, thimble ish. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so is that how you, I, I would tend to say that you approach it a little bit like you approach your golf game because you have a lot of pa patience on certain things, like your hunter as well. Um, and so, sitting out in the woods, I mean, that seems excruciating to me, uh, mm -hmm. but you could spend long periods of time out in the woods and that's fine for you. 
Yeah, I can't really describe. I can't really explain it either. I don't know why. Like those things work for me, and um, other things I can't. Um, I just it's it's hard. Like my wife has taken me to musicals a few times. That went okay. <laughs> she commented about the amount of times that apparently I moved around a lot in my seat. Apparently, I didn't know that, but apparently I did to the point that she, it kind of detracted from her enjoyment of the musical. Um, but I couldn't, like, I, I just, some things, if I can't relate to it in any way, it becomes hard for me. And so if it's something that I can mentally kind of really dig into, then I can spend long periods of time doing it. So let's take this back to where this all comes from, kind of, because I know that you don't, you don't watch movies very regularly either. Um, you know, or, right. or if you're watching a movie, I know how you're watching a movie. You're watching a movie with your phone in your lap and you're looking at your phone a lot and you're, you know, you're doing other stuff during the movie and you probably get about 60% of the movie. I didn't do well watching The English Patient, well, so let's put it that <laughs> way. So if it's something like that, I'm not going to do well. Okay, so, so that comes from your parents, though, also. Like, th- you have to tell the audience about your parents and, and how they watch TV. Like, they watch right. Brewer Games. Which, which another thing is an anomaly because it's like a three-hour game, but they watch like every game, right? They watch pretty much every game of the Brewers. And they, when do they watch movies? They don't watch movies exactly. at all. None. I, the last, literally the last movie that my father has watched, I think was, like from start to finish, I think it was, well, I think he watched Top Gun. Um, like recently? Or no, <laughs> no, no. Like, like. The last time you watched out. a movie was 20 years ago. Seriously, yeah. that's not an exaggeration. I there's I there's no way he watched um like bits and pieces of um another I can't remember what it was. Um but not the whole thing. He has not watched the full movie. My mom has neither for probably uh, it's got to be at least so 25 30 years. So it just runs in years. the family is what we're getting. You all have short attention spans. Yeah, probably. I, that's probably a fair statement to say. Yeah. Yeah, it's and it's funny because you don't when you grow up with it, you don't think of it as being like any different. You're just like, okay, this is how it is. Mm-hmm. Like my parents don't watch; they watch sports, um, but they're just atypical in that way. It's just it's just a different deal. Like we don't, they don't, I don't. They've never watched a sitcom. I don't think ever. No Seinfeld. No, God, no, no. I mean, it goes back though. Like I, I think I think they used to watch like the old school shows. Like I think my dad used to watch like the. Um, like the black and white style shows. Like he was a Western guy. He had to be, right? No, 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 because no, that's a movie. So no. I, 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 yeah, I love right. Lucy kind of stuff. Yes, like yeah. I love Lucy, stuff like that, you know, but again, it was, um, they, we were just, they just, they're busy people, and so that's just kind of their deal. They're just, they just stay really busy, so. Yeah, and he hasn't turned it down at all. He's still, you know, he's still selling real estate to this day. Right. I mean, so it's, it's a pretty incredible story. He retired for like five minutes, and then that was that, and then he, Open another real estate firm, and yeah, he's been doing. He's just, yeah, he's uh, uh, late sixties now, and he's still he's still rolling. He's not gonna. I, I mean, it's hard to believe that he's gonna shut it down fully ever, but I'm sure at some point he probably will. He keeps telling me every year when we play golf together. He said, "I'm gonna turn it off," and you're like, "No, you're not." Right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's always it's you know it's Johnny next year. I mean, that's 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 kind of how it is. So, um, which I think is good though, because I don't. I mean, in a way, like. And we've seen this before. You and I have seen this with, with clients that that um, kind of run at a fast pace just in their life, and then they try to retire, and it's that's a that's a tough animal for them to to tackle. It's really hard. They got they got to fill up their days with something, and if they don't, mm-hmm. you know, if they don't have a super passion to you know maybe volunteer or to do something, like that, they got to stay in motion. You know, right. I think that the easiest thing to do is just to keep doing what you're doing, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Um, now take us through a little bit about. Uh, so you're in the the. 
mortgage loan, your mortgage loan officer over at UW Credit Union, and then, uh, you know, lo and behold, you decided that you wanted to join investment services. So take us through why you uh, selected investment services and, and how you kind of got into that. Yeah, so I, I always had a, an interest in um, investments, and that, that was always, I, that's part of the reason why I would switch from management, not switch from management, but I added finance as a major because um, the management major just was, it just felt a little too soft and squishy. There wasn't enough kind of meat to it for, for uh, what I was looking for. And so I always kind of had that in the back of my head that I wanted to ultimately get into that into that uh, discipline. So uh, the position opened up, and as you know, but people listening might, might not know, the licensing path within the industry is, is a little... Um, it's a little challenging because in some cases you have to have a company to sponsor you to get the licenses. You can't just decide you're going to take your Series 7 exam uh, without a company to sponsor you. So it's a little bit of a tricky animal because, or a, a tricky uh, situation because the company more or less has to kind of hire you and then you like get to your, um, you know, you, your uh, testing uh, phase, if you will. So that's essentially what happened is the, the, um, Investment Services Department at the Credit Union, and I'll always be grateful for this, was willing to sponsor me to take tests, even though they didn't fully hire me at that time. Um, and then and then I passed and everything, and then the position was still there, and away we went. So That's right. And then you walked in, and you fortunately got a, got a, uh, a job in the department with an office right across from me. So Right. And then Nate and I got to spend... A long time together, you know, just like I did when I first got in the industry. We'll get into that, but uh, you know, just did you, did you, you catch that, Kevin? Another, another, there's another, teaser. another teaser there. Teaser there's right another there. like, but um, yeah, but you have to like in this industry, you have to ask a thousand questions, and, right? And I, I remember just you just coming to my office all the time to ask question after question after question to understand it fully, and that's the best way that you can learn. You have to have somebody to to be there to listen to you to help you there, otherwise. It's so hard to learn on your own. Yeah, we talk about experience a lot in this industry, and it's it's not um, it's not for effect. Um, it's it's because experience matters, and, and experience is so difficult to achieve in this industry because there are things that just don't come at you all that often, but they come at you often enough where you kind of have to understand how to handle it. So you know, it's not often that we see in a you know a physical stock certificate anymore. But yet you kind of have to know what to do with that when you get it because it's probably going to happen once, maybe twice a year. So it's an example of experience is kind of hard to get in this industry because it just takes a lot of time to be put in those situations where you're dealing with this situation, which might only happen once or twice a year. Yeah, we, we make the joke that you know when people are learning paperwork, like every piece of paperwork seems to be an exception. You know, it's just how it how it goes. You know, everything's a little nuanced. Everything's a little different, um, even though these transfers can come in and be super easy on the surface, but then you find out it's at an annuity company and you got to fill out their forms and you got to fill out the other company's forms, the center letter of instruction and all this stuff, you know, uh, to get this uh, transfer accomplished. So there's, there's all these little things that can hold up everything. And that's one of the reasons why I switched from mortgages. I mean, I enjoyed doing mortgages, but the problem was they just became so redundant because not that everybody's mortgage situation is exactly the same, but I mean, they're all kind of similar and they kind of somewhat follow the same path. And so after a while, I just kind of got a little bored with that. So what's interesting about this industry is that there's just, I don't know how you could ever get bored with it because there's just not enough, rep- the, the, the repetition of what you have to do is there in some ways, but in other ways, I mean, you see something, we'll see something that neither of us have seen in, in our entire uh, combined history of being in the industry, which is unique to be in an industry and have the experience we have and still once in a while see something where you're like, wow, I've never seen that before. 
That's right. Yeah. And then, you know, you and I, uh, you know, obviously I think we've told the story a few times here on the podcast, but, um, you know, you and I left to, uh, start Wagner Con and then, um, you know, over six years ago now. And so, uh, just take us through a little bit about your role right now and kind of what you do on a regular basis. Cause I think that a lot of the clients, you know, they see us in meetings and they may only see us for a few hours a year. And, and so, you know, a lot goes on between these four walls, uh, between our meetings and, and, you know, each one of us has a different type of role and skill set. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and, you know, when you and I were establishing the firm, um, it's an interesting process because you're, you're almost kind of assigning roles as, as you're, you know, as you open the door for, well, as you kind of prep to open the door, right? And then you open the door for the first day. And then, you know, you, you kind of get through your first month, that whole process, you're kind of assigning roles because you realize that, okay, this needs to get done. So who's better served to do this thing? Okay, I'll take it or you'll take it. And so that's kind of how we started to assign roles. And so um, my role is the way that I kind of look at my role in the firm is I'm kind of the I'm kind of the oil in the engine, right? So um, I'm a, I'm a key component to just kind of keep things moving. Um, you know, whether it be a transfer of assets for a new client or whether it be um, you know an initiative that we're trying to kind of move the ball down the field on. Um, I kind of see my role as the as the facilitator to make sure that things kind of continue to, to move along. So my role is a little bit more kind of day to day, month or week to week, as opposed to you know your role, which is a little bit more specific in terms of you know you do all the vast vast majority of trading, you do the vast majority of 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 uh, kind of investment research. Mine is more operations based, where if, if a transfer of assets gets stuck. You know, I, I not only need to know that, but I need to know, okay, how do we need to get this moving forward? And so, um, you know, I also do the accounting in the firm. I do the banking. I do kind of the our firm's money management from the, st- from the standpoint of how we pay our own bills and that kind of thing. So um, those are a few of the roles that I have. Um, plus, I would say more um, kind of a, um, hard asset stuff, you know, if it's something having to do with our office space or leases or something like that, that generally falls in my area of expertise, too. That's right. I mean, I think it was a part-time job when we opened this uh, place that you had, um, you know, with the build-out and with, you know, we general contracted it ourselves because um, Nate had a lot of background in that. And so you put together the whole thing. And that was that was like a 15-hour week job. It was, a, it was a fun process. I think you and I kind of made the right decision to say, let's do this, um, knowing that it was going to be a lot of work and, and time and effort. Um, but at a minimum, we, we learn more about an area that we might in the future need to then fall back on the exp- the experience that we had. So I think it was, I think we do a pretty good job of kind of understanding that if it falls too far out of our area of expertise, then we hire it out. But if it's something we want to tackle and learn more about, then let's tackle it and learn more about it. That's exactly right. I mean, I think that we were able to, um, really bring out exactly what we wanted to try to accomplish with this space, which was, you know, we wanted to make it look and live comfortably unique. And so, you know, uh, we were able to control that part of the process and, and both of us are kind of control freaks too. So, yeah. And, and to that end, I mean, what, what I will say too, in terms of the, um, uh, just the firm itself in terms of how we split up roles and kind of how this, uh, um, how this kind of evolved to the point that it's evolved to now is, um, very few things happen within the firm that don't have, you know, either my fit, your fingerprints or your fingerprints or a combination of both or, or even somebody else's. Everything that we do is very, we try to make it very organic, even from the podcast. We recorded ourselves, the, the blogs, the video blogs. I mean, so everything that we kind of do and put out there, I don't know that people understand that well enough, even to the extent of like updating the website and the content that goes on the website and all of that. We try to do all of that in-house because it's just how we've always done it. It's how we like to do it. 
Well, it's much more authentic, I think. I mean, we can buy stuff from a number of different resources that are just off the shelf. And I don't know, it doesn't give that customized experience that we really try to give our clients. Yeah, and I think that that, that um, I think it shows in the final product, you know. And, and so there might be things that we do that aren't quite as polished as if we were to hire a professional to do it. But we also then can glean the authenticity from it that you lose, I think, if you have it too professionally done. Well, I'd like to thank everyone for joining us for a little extra long uh, version of this, but I hope that everyone got a lot out of it. Um, we got to know Nate a little bit more. Um, there'll be some future podcasts where we get to unpack some of those things that we, we learned about him today as well. And uh, thanks for joining us. And we'll be back with another episode of Give Me Some Truth. You got Advisory services are offered through Wachner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the states of Wisconsin and Texas. Clint Wachner and Nate Condon are investment advisor representatives of Wachner Condon. Kevin Castro is an office manager and marketing communications specialist for Wachner Condon Financial Advisors. He is not registered, and his participation in this podcast is limited to unregistered activities and will not be providing any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments he makes be construed as giving investment advice. Insurance products and services are offered through WC Insurance Services, LLC, Wachner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, and WC Insurance Services, LLC, are affiliated companies. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any of the securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Wachner Condon Financial Advisors LLC is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizons. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Wachner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Wachner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not promise or guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see wachnercondon.com for additional disclosures.